Well, Crave, it's good to see you. How was the party of school starting back this week? The lamest party of all time, apparently. Uh, was it good, bad, ugly? Okay, well, mixed, mixed bag. Uh, before we dive in fully tonight into our theme, I want to start with our theme verse. Anybody working on memorizing it? Oh no, someone says. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. I want to challenge you to memorize this verse. I think it will be helpful for you. It's Romans 12, 2. It says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Somebody's going to memorize it this week and be ready to come up and recite it next week on the stage, right? A lot, lot of confidence. Challenge accepted, someone said. This is a good verse. We don't just want to go with the flow and just copy what the world says to do. We want to be new creations in Christ. All right? Now, tonight, our theme game, right? We're doing this kind of party thing. Uh, our theme for this week is Never Have I Ever. Anybody ever play this game, Never Have I Ever? Okay. Anybody have no idea what it is? Okay, a few of us. That's, that's cool. So basically, it's a game that's designed to figure out who has done what. So if I said, never have I ever gone skydiving, and you had gone skydiving, you would identify yourself by whatever parameters you've outlined before the game. So we're all going to play right now. Set your stuff down. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Make sure you're awake on a Sunday afternoon. Okay. If... I say this statement and you have done it, you have to sit down, okay? So here we go. Never have I ever gone on fall retreat. So if you've been on fall retreat with us, you have to sit down, okay? Never have I ever gone on fall retreat. That's a lot of you who have been on fall retreat. Show of hands, who's going with us in a few weeks? Excited for that. It's going to be great. All right, let's continue. Never have I ever been to winter worship weekends. So if you've been to winter worship weekends... Yeah. Don't worry, freshman. You're like, ah, we're going to win because, you know, we weren't in Crave before. I got you. Uh, never have I ever been on road trip. Road trip. That's something we've done with Axis before too. Okay. Never have I ever been to one camp. So if you've been to camp, you have to sit down. All right. Those of you still standing, you are the winners. Let's give them a round of applause. Also, if you're still standing, we'd love to have you do one of those trips with us. Those are kind of our big trips here at Crave. That was a little shameless self-promotion. Uh, I will tell you, before we go too much further, typically the game Never Have I Ever is a drinking game. <gasps> I can't believe Kevin would talk about something so scandalous at church. Why am I talking about this? Am I encouraging you to do that? Of course not. Please remember our theme verse, which says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. But, but I'm doing this, this theme because in the game of Never Have I Ever, you want to have done all the things. And, and I think that's something that we get caught up in. In fact, the game Never Have I Ever really tends to highlight some of our worst decisions, some of our worst choices. There's actually a board game version of Never Have I Ever. It's available on Amazon. It's my next picture. The subtitle of the game is called The Game of Poor Life Decisions. This is not a game you want to win. And, and actually, you can see within the screenshots on Amazon, I'm not making this up, go to my next picture, you can see some of the cards. Never have I ever taken a dump while on a date. Like, you don't want to play this with friends and family and be like, well, I'm guilty, I did that. 
Had someone complain about my breath after kissing them? Some of us are like, kisses? What are those? Um, and so on and so forth. Like you see, like this, this is not a game you necessarily want to win. But I think in life we get caught up chasing experiences. Like we want to do all the things. We don't want to miss out. Like we, we have a whole term that we've invented called FOMO. We have the fear of missing out. And so we want to do everything, experience everything, because we're chasing acceptance. Like, if this is acceptable, if this is cool, I have to do it. But I want to ask you to think about this question. It's your first fill-in tonight on your handout. The question is this, whose acceptance am I chasing? Whose acceptance am I chasing? Here's what I know, every single person in this room wants to be accepted. But whose acceptance are you chasing? Are, are you trying to be accepted by your peers? And so you'll do anything that they say is cool, even if you know it's really probably not beneficial, it's not safe, it's not edifying to Christ. Are you chasing the acceptance of your peers? Are you chasing the acceptance of your parents? Some of us in this room live under the burden of just trying to measure up and be enough for our parents. That's a, that's a hard load to carry. Some of us are trying to chase the acceptance of a cute boy or a cute girl. Maybe our coaches who push us and, and challenge us to be great. Like we, we want our actions, we want our lives to be acceptable to all these people. But I want you to understand, one day when you stand in eternity, it won't be before any of those people, no matter how important they are to you, your small group leaders, your pastors, your coaches, your peers, you will stand one day in front of Jesus. And it's his acceptance that we should be concerned with, not the people in this world. His acceptance is the only one that matters eternally. Uh, you could jot down this reference. It's, it's not a verse on the screen for you, but James 4.14 says that this life is like morning fog. It's here and then it's gone. Life is brief. And if you're so caught up in just having the acceptance of the people in this world, the people you go to high school with, let me tell you, it's over before you know it. Seniors, am I right? You're about to graduate and it feels like you just started. It's terrifying. <laughs> But I'm also telling you this, like I have a little bit of perspective that you don't have. I'm 35, I've been out of high school now, I was thinking about it, approaching 20 years. I don't talk to anybody I went to high school with. The approval that I cared about so much when I was 15, 16 years old, I haven't talked to those people in 20 years. Like I just, it doesn't matter. And so if you're sitting there already after the first week of school, like, oh no, this person doesn't think I'm cool cares. Be more concerned with what God thinks about you than you are what everybody else in the world thinks. Tonight, we're going to look at just three verses, three verses, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. If you've got a Bible, you want to flip there, it's towards the back, or you can scroll there digitally, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. We'll put it on the screen for you as well. Uh, let's read it together, and then we'll break it down. It says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 
That first verse makes it very, very clear. You cannot have love for the world and love for the Father. But we do this thing where we're like, I kind of want to have a little bit of both. Like, I don't want to miss out on any of the cool things life has to offer. So I've got kind of one foot in this camp, but I definitely don't want to die and go to hell. Like, I want to be cool with Jesus. So like, I'll have one foot over here in the kingdom, but one foot over here in the world. And verse 15 just says, no. If you are enamored with and in love with the things of this world, you don't have the love of the Father within you. And maybe that seems very harsh. I'm, I'm just reading what's here on the screen. That's a question that we all have to wrestle with. Now, I want to highlight for you a couple of pieces here in verse 16, and we'll kind of break them down piece by piece. The first thing it says the world offers is a craving for physical pleasure. I don't think I have to work very hard to convince you of this, right? Like the world says, if it feels good, do it. Like, go for it. Who's getting hurt? Nobody. If it feels good, you... You deserve it. You should be able to do this thing. That's why we have such a casual hookup culture. You're like, oh no, is he going there? No, that's next week. So come back for that. Um, it's why we see people recreationally using drugs and alcohol the way, that, hey, it feels good. Like it can't be wrong if it feels good. So I might as well go for it. What the Bible says is the world just offers a craving for things that feel good. And there's just more to life than that. Look what Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. I feel like that's pretty clear. Like, I, I don't need to break that down for you. It's not a complicated verse. This isn't one of those passages like, hmm, I really wonder what he's trying to say here. It's, it's pretty clear. We've got some things inside of us that, that need to go. If we're going to love the Father, then the love of the things of this world has no place within us. Let's go back over to 1 John 2, 16. It says that the world offers a craving for physical pleasure, but also a craving for everything that we see. Anybody here just brave enough to admit that sometimes you get roped in by ads? Just anybody, throw a hand up so I'm not alone. Okay, great. This, yeah, because it happens to me. Um, like sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm not often watching TV, but maybe I'm watching something on my phone or I'm, you know, YouTube used to be uh, a world without ads. Probably none of you remember that, but now there's ads and that's how they get me. They'll, they'll be like, oh, here's this pizza. And I'm like, that pizza looks real good. And, you know, then I'm driving down the road and I see a billboard for pizza. Like, man, I really could use some pepperoni in my life. And the ads, like, does that, ha that happens to you, right? It's not just me. Um, and, and sometimes it's even a little bit more targeted. So I love Patagonia. It's probably one of my favorite places to buy things. The shirt is from Patagonia. And so what happens is periodically I'll go on the website and look at stuff, but I have to wait for it to go on sale. I'm living on a pastor's salary. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. So I have to wait for the sales, but they, they don't know that. And so the ads will just start popping up as I'm scrolling through Instagram. It's like, Hey, you looked at this. Do you want it? Or you'll get an email like, hey, you put this in your cart. It's still there. Do you, do you want to come back? Like, here's 20% off. It's like, man, like they, they cut. I promise you this happens so much. I bought this hoodie. This is a very, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hemp hoodie. It's very heavy. I bought it last week. Guys, we live in South Carolina. It's cold for like three weeks all year. I don't know when I'm ever going to wear this, but I wanted it because the ads kept showing up for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then a sale did come up. So um, I was at least smart about it. But the ads, they'll grab you. I see it. I want it. 
Sometimes you just see it and you're like, I deserve that. I, I work hard. That's what I told myself. I'm a grown man. I save my money. I'm going to buy this hoodie. I deserve it. And it's silly, and we do that with pizza or with clothes. But we just start looking at all this stuff and go, I want that. The hard part is we see all this stuff in the world, but we don't see Jesus. And so these things, a hoodie, a piece of pizza, a relationship, like, you know, somebody that you can see in the flesh, it's easy to get caught up in that. But the world just offers a craving for everything that we see. Let's go back over to Colossians 3. This is the second half of verse 5. It says this, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Some of us, if we were just honest enough to say it out loud, would understand we're pretty greedy. Like we just expect mom or dad or grandma, grandpa, whoever, to just buy us all these things, give us all these things. I deserve it. I'm a good person. I, I, I have to have all this stuff. You're just greedy. And when you're greedy, you break the first commandment. Does anybody know what the first commandment is? In the back, Sloan? Nope, that's a good one, but it's not the first commandment. The very first commandment of the 10. Do you know it? Phrased differently, put God first. You will have no other gods but me. Martin Luther, I believe, once said that to break any of the other 10 commandments is to first break the first commandment. When you're greedy, when you want stuff and, and you begin to really worship it, it's an idol. And when you've got your eyes on an idol, you don't have your eyes on God. When you've got the love of the world, you don't have the love of the Father. Let's go back over to 1 John 2.16, the last piece that it highlights. The world offers pride in our achievements and our possessions. Hey, the world will tell you, you did it. Congratulations. Give yourself a hand. Be proud of yourself. It's okay. Like, look at all you've accomplished. And I just want to tell you something about pride. I think pride is a stealth ninja assassin that will destroy your life. Like it's easy to see some very obvious sins and pride's not one of them that's obvious. There are a ton of verses in the Bible that speak to pride. I picked arguably the most famous one and we'll put it on the screen for you now. It's Proverbs 16, 18. It says this, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. If you're so puffed up in all that you've gathered into your bank account and to all the things that you've accomplished, you're heading for a cliff at 100 miles an hour. I love the way the message translates this. That's the new living. We'll put the message up on the screen uh, as well for you. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Some of us in this room, we just maybe need to check our pride because it's running away with us. Verse 16 concludes by telling us that those things aren't from the Father, they're from the world. And the world says, don't miss out. You've got to do it. Don't be the only one sitting on the sidelines. Life's a huge game of never have I ever, and you don't want to be the one who has to sit down first. So do it. Be a part of it. Who cares if it's good, bad? Just do it. And I want to challenge you to think about something. On your handout, you see two blanks with the verses in between. Here's what I want you to write. Permissible versus beneficial. Permissible versus beneficial. I think we spend a lot of time wondering, like, can I do this? Is it okay for me to do this? We've talked about this a lot recently. We go, where's the line? How close can I get to crossing that line? In fact, how far can I go past the line and it'll still be okay for me to come back across that line? And that's all just us wondering, is it permissible? 
And I want to challenge you, high school student, to shift your thinking from permissible to beneficial. Hey, should I do this? Does this bless God? Does this build up the body? Is this going to bring blessings into the life of the people around me and myself? Should I be doing this? If you're sitting here and you want nothing to do with Jesus, you know your heart's far from God, you're just here for whatever other reason, I'm telling you this can still be helpful for you. Can I do it? Should I do it? There's a huge difference between those two things. I challenge you to start thinking about, is this beneficial? How is God blessed by my doing this? 1 John 2.17 concludes by saying that the world is fading away, but those who do the will of the Father will live forever. I don't want to end on a gloomy note, but I do want to tell you, like, this life is not all there is. And one day this world will pass away. The Bible actually tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And if your purpose is just caught up in grabbing everything you can get your hands on in this world, I just think you're, you're living a very empty life. You will never have enough stuff. You will never accomplish enough. You will never have the acceptance of enough people. It's a bottomless pit. It's a rat race. But if you can shift and make your life about God instead of about people and their acceptance, there's a huge difference. The second question for your fill-in, it's actually the last thing on your fill-in tonight, is to ask yourself this question, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And you may be thinking, I came to church for you to tell me that, right? Like, shouldn't you stand up there, pastor, and tell me what my purpose is? I can tell you on a very broad spectrum, but we like to know very specifics, like where am I supposed to go to school? What should I major in? Who should I marry? What should my career path be? How many kids should I have? What city should I live in? What's my purpose? And I just want you to hear me say, it's not your purpose. Those are just parts of your life. Our purpose is to glorify God. That's, that's it. At its most fundamental level, that's what life is about, glorifying God. Not chasing all this stuff. Life is bigger than how much money you've got in the bank, how attractive the person you're dating or are married to is, like how perfect your life can look on Instagram. Don't fall into that trap. Jesus asks a great question in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? Let's put that up on the screen. There it is. Is anything worth more than your soul? I think the answer is pretty clearly no. If at the end of your life you had all the stuff, but your heart was far from God, I think, I think you've kind of failed to grasp what matters most. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. I'm going to read one more verse as they're coming. One of the very first verses I ever learned in church was John 10, 10. I think it was easy for you to remember the 10 and the 10. Uh, I'll read it to you. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is Jesus talking. So Jesus says, my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You've probably heard this verse if you've been around church any amount of time. And you've probably heard that the thief is who? Satan. But here's the funny thing about context in the Bible. If you go read the previous chapter and the verses preceding this, Satan's not mentioned. Now, do I think this is true of Satan? Do I think he's real? Yes. Do I think he hates you and wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything in your life? Yes, I do believe those things. But I think contextually, Jesus is talking about people. 
In this context, he's actually talking about the religious elite, the people who never missed a Sunday, who never missed a trip, who always went to camp. He says, they're coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes I'm afraid the thief in our life who robs from us all that is good, all that is beneficial, all that is a blessing to God, I think it's us. I think it's the people we let closest to us. I just want to challenge you tonight to think about what Jesus offers versus what the world offers. You can't chase both. That's just not how it works. If you love the world, you don't love the Father. Well, Kevin, are you saying I can't be happy? Are you saying I can't have things? That's not what I'm saying at all. But what's your first priority? Are you caught up and consumed by doing it all, having it all, being a part of everything, or are you caught up and consumed by a love for the Father who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you? I'm going to pray. The band's going to sing, and I just encourage you in this time, sing if you want to sing. Pray and talk to God if you need to pray. If you know your heart's far from God, then ask him, God, how can I get close to you? What's my first step? And then talk to somebody about that tonight. Hey, fellow brother or sister in Christ, if you know, like, ah, I came in here tonight and this kind of stepped on my toes. I'm not where I need to be. I've been chasing some other things. Repent tonight. Repent and turn. Repent is not something we do once and it punches our ticket to heaven. We repent daily from sin and we turn back to God. So let me pray for us. Father, we love you. But if we're honest, we get caught up in loving the things of this world an awful lot. And I pray right now, if there's someone here who, who actually doesn't love you, whose heart is far from you, who doesn't know you, they've been living a life that's hostile to you and everything you stand for, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would begin to knock on the door of their heart. And I pray that you would give them an awareness of your presence. God, that you would speak to them and let them know they are loved. For the rest of us who have taken our eyes off of you, would you help us to come back to you? To love you instead of stuff or approval of peers or accomplishments. Help us to love you more than anything in this world. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name.